0: Welcome to Mind Love Premium, Episode 64. Today's episode is all about making memories and holiday traditions.
1: When they're gone, they're gone. When they leave, we are going to literally go to Bed Bath & Beyond or whatever Amazon and like pack them all of the crap that they need. But we're also sending them with like a figurative box of their memories. And those are going to be things that carry them through. And like your, your dad with his silly thing, like you have that forever and you can always you know, relive that. And memories are so powerful. They're also so weird. Like that story, you know, like why in the world would you remember that, (laughs) you know? And so we don't always know what our kids are going to remember. And so it's just like throwing things on the wall and seeing what sticks, big things or little things.
0: What are your favorite childhood memories? What traditions did your family have that you always looked forward to? Do you have a lot A few? None at all? You guys, I have never been more excited about the holidays ever, which is saying a lot because I'm pretty much the female version of Buddy the Elf most years. But this year, I have a little family of my own. This year, I am the memory maker, which is so exciting, but also kind of a lot of pressure. I suppose that these first few years will be a good trial run, given that it's pretty hard to make memories when the main little man I'm doing it for won't remember any of it. But if I let my complacency lead now, it is way too easy to make a habit of it. Growing up, we only had a few traditions. If you would have asked me back then, I probably would not have realized how much they mattered to me. The longest running tradition that we've had in our family is the egg toss. Every Easter, we pair off, someone would go around collecting rings and watches in a bowl. I'm not sure why this had to be part of the tradition and I couldn't just put my stuff in my purse, but no questions, it's tradition. We'd each grab an apron. Thank God my grandma had like 30 aprons for some reason. And then we'd pick a raw egg per pair and line up. While we waited for everyone to get in their place, we'd inspect our eggs to make sure that they didn't have any cracks or vulnerabilities. And then we would aggressively remind our partners proper catching form. Don't forget to move with the egg, Brenda. You gotta reduce the impact as much as possible. Then we would stand shoulder to shoulder with the competition. Just a few feet away from our partners who were facing us, shoulder to shoulder with their competition. And then we'd go down the line, tossing a raw egg to our partners, and then breathing a huge sigh of relief when the egg was caught with no breaks. And then we'd each step back a foot and do it again, tossing the other way. Toss, catch, breathe. Toss, catch, breathe. (laughs) And then the first egg would break. Sometimes it would just hit the ground, and sometimes it would splatter all over the recipient especially if they were trying to, like, catch it over their heads. You learn at a young age to always catch your eggs below the belt. Well, if the egg breaks, you're out. And we'd get further and further from each other. More people would be eliminated until the final two were left. They would seal in their win with one final toss. Well, when we were kids, we'd win a prize. But as we grew up, we'd just win bragging rights, which honestly was the only prize worth receiving. It's funny, though, because I've gone in waves in how I feel about the egg toss. When I was a teenager, I kind of felt too cool. I was too busy texting my friends on my flip phone. And then when I went vegan, I didn't really know how I felt about it because I was, like, supporting the egg industry or something, so I skipped a few years. But then one day, I remember someone asking me about my favorite holiday— My instinct was to say Christmas because I just love everything about the season. The smells, the sweaters, the shopping, the coziness. But when I thought about which holiday I am most excited to gather with my family, I realized that it's Easter. And when I really thought about it, it was because of the egg toss. And as much as it was about the egg toss, it also wasn't about the egg toss. It was about the tradition. It was the one and only tradition that has existed my entire life and involves my whole extended family. It's something we can always count on, something that makes us forget money issues or health issues because all you can think about is that egg flying toward your face. It brought laughter even when people weren't getting along. In fact, by the end, most of us were totally cracking up. (laughs) See what I did there? Oh, oh, come on. Take a yoke. Okay, I'll stop. You can just ignore me. I promise, omelet funnier in real life. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, moving on. I honestly am not sure how to even get back on topic now. Oh, yeah, traditions. Okay, the point is making memory and traditions for your family can be a lot of hard work. So it's easy to convince yourself that they don't really matter and just skip them. But those traditions might be the thing that stick out the most when your children or even when you think about your lives. They're something that everyone in the family can look forward to. They can be the points of stability in a chaotic world. So how do we start to make traditions that our families do look forward to for a lifetime? Well, that's what we're talking about today. Our guest is Jessica Smart, author of Memory-Making Mom and Let Them Be Kids. Three key things we will learn are how traditions can write our family's stories, how to give your family the gift of spontaneity, and how to overcome resistance to tradition from older children, plus a ton of ideas for year-round family traditions. But before we dive in, I want to invite you to wake up to the morning mind love. Every weekday morning, you get a little piece of inspiration to set your tone for the day and give you something positive to focus on. It's kind of like a little oracle from your higher self. Plus, when you sign up, you get two free gifts, a 30-minute meditation and 30 days of self-reflective journaling prompts to help you grow. And it's all completely free. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up. And now let's welcome Jessica Smart to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. So
0: what inspired you to make an entire book about making traditions a priority?
1: I mean, I guess there were two things. Number one, I wanted that book myself. And so I looked a lot of different places, I kind of had this vague sense that I should be doing them more. And so I Googled like book on traditions and just didn't find exactly what I wanted. So um, part of it was not like, oh, I'm some expert on this, so I'm going to do it. But it was very much like an in-process thing, living it out while I was writing it. But I do talk in the beginning of the book about like, there was just a very scary moment with my son, and kind of a wake up call. Uh, He has food allergies. And so he had a really serious food allergy reaction and like very serious for EpiPens, you know, breathing and, you know, just all sorts of medicine stayed overnight in the ER and stuff like that. And so through that kind of experience, you know, those kind of things do usually wake you up to what you're doing and not doing that you like and don't like and so he was five he was my oldest at the time and I had I was pregnant and then I had another one and it was very much like okay how do we feel about the trajectory that our parenting is going are we spending time on the things that matter are we really investing in our family you know making special memories and I didn't love the answers to those questions and realized that traditions kind of are the missing link because they make you do what matters to you. Like you pick a value and then they make you implement it regularly. And if you have kids, they will remind you every year that you need to do it or whatever (laughs) it is every week. So um, it's just been such a blessing to our family. And I still go back and reference the book and get ideas (laughs) from it.
0: I love that. When I do that too, I'll write certain things down for like my audience and then it ends up being my best resource because it came from the heart. So why though are do we find traditions so beneficial? Because I remember when I was a child, I remember my mom trying to implement traditions and like I think there was a certain point that she realized, oh, we need more traditions. So she started like implementing traditions when I was like, being a defiant little teen, and I was like, traditions are so stupid. Why would we do the same thing over and over again? And then looking back, I'm like, I see my husband had certain traditions, and then I see the the traditions that did end up uh, holding through or or actually being implemented. The ones that I didn't resist so much, and they're some of my favorite times. So I'm like, why was I? such a little stinker. <laughs> yeah. So have you experienced that, like your kids fighting against the traditions? And in, if so, how have you brought it around to where they're more accepting or they get excited for it? Or was that just a me thing?
1: <laughs> and I think the older they get, that becomes an issue depending on the personality. And we, you know, as you and I are recording this, it was Halloween. Uh, A week or so ago. And, you know, we usually have celebrated it kind of in the traditional way in the neighborhood with dressing up and that kind of thing. And we had just come out of a really busy week and month. And my husband and I, and also, side note, I didn't really, we didn't have any great costumes. (laughs) So I wasn't like, really excited about what was happening. And we just kind of came up with this idea of let's have a, um, I gave it a really terrible name, like family fall fun night. And my almost 13 year old son was rolling his eyes and doing all of the things that someone that I would have done at that age when someone said family fall fun night. And um, but I just kind of ignored it because, you know, we've all gone through that. Like, that's just developmentally. That's their way of like kind of distancing and growing up and testing the waters. And they don't always express what they really think. And most kids are really grateful that their families love them and want to spend time. Well, all kids, you know, that they want to spend time with them. So I just don't pay any attention to that. I just do what I want.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I can see when the times that my mom, my mom pushed through and I even, maybe I'm looking back on it with like rose colored glasses, but I, I, I picture myself being like, the, the defiant little rev, rebel almost being grateful because I am at least I, at least now. But as a parent, I can also see how much work went into so many things. And I I can see myself being a parent now just trying to keep up with dinner and cleaning the house. And so then to add another thing of like, okay, now do I go out and buy all the things that are involved in this tradition or take all the time to cultivate this moment. And so what do you do in those moments when it just feels like too much work? Is it worth it?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot there. I I mean, I definitely would say that it would. And I think what's hard is that the generation that you and I are raising kids in, you know, that we are expected to do so much on a lot of different levels. We should look fit. We should look cute. Our nails should be done. Our house should look great. We should have like an active Instagram account and, you know, also be on top of homework and have our kids involved in activities. And like, there's no possible way you could do all of that. But when I think my Grammy just passed away, she was 90, almost 94 in her obituary. It just struck me as so interesting it said she was a bookkeeper for her son's horse farm and spent the day making food for whoever came into her house and at her funeral there was so many people there she had you know over 30 great grandchildren the same amount of grandchildren some, like seven kids she has, she changed lives she impacted you know, on and on, she made a difference in people's lives and just seeing everybody at her funeral. it's like, she didn't spend a lot of time on herself and reaching her goals and being a girl boss. Like she was a total servant, but she loved people really well. And so I think reminding myself that the people who made a huge difference in my life weren't like, you know, these amazing professional people who like did so many different things. They just like cooked meals and loved whoever was involved in their world is so challenging for me. And so it kind of just points my, and again, like, it's not very like sexy right now to say, but like, it just turns me back to the little ones that are in my own house because someone else can give the big talk. Someone else can, you know, seal the deal. Somebody else can, you know, make the product. Only you can be a mom or dad to the kids in your house. And I heard that about the time I started writing this book. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Like I have an Instagram account and I have a business and I've written two books. And so, but I think just constantly remembering that like my first responsibility is to my kids and back to your question, like it's the silly little regular things that we do to show them that they're loved And, you know, nobody wants to have like this crazy mom that's like, come here, you have to like, you know, color your Santa, like we always do this, get here and like is mean about it. You know, it it needs to be like a fun thing for everybody. But our kids do love like whimsy and fun and spending time with us. And when we make them good meals, like they, you know, things like that, um, it is a way to show them love. And so there's no two ways about it. If you're doing those things, you're not doing something else, but I'm just personally trusting that in the long run, I'm going to be grateful for that, that time that I invested. It's funny
0: because my, my dad didn't have a lot of money and my parents were divorced. And so, and my dad didn't have custody for most of my life. So it was like the little trips and stuff were kind of the traditions with us and we'd go camping and, But I look back to even these little moments that one might not think of a tradition, but it's something that happened regularly. And the example I'm thinking of is often when I'd go with my dad, especially as a young child, I'd be crying because I was used to my mom and my dad – didn't live with us like really my whole life. And so I look back when I was really young and it was almost like being uncomfortable when he'd pick me up. And so often when he would pick me up to go on a trip, I would be crying as like a three or four or five-year-old. And when we'd get to an off-ramp or an on-ramp, you know how sometimes you like go onto the highway and then you could just stay in that lane and it would immediately loop you back out and then back on and back out? Mm -hmm. He would... When I was crying in the car with him, he'd like find one of those and just keep going in a circle and like, quote this cartoon which way do we go George and eventually he'd do it until I started to laugh and maybe somebody else wouldn't consider that a tradition but it ended up becoming something where the moment I felt him doing that like the first time I was confused like what are you doing dad and then the 11th time it would just automatically make me laugh and so it can be something as silly as that that becomes something ingrained and I I remember that like the back of my hand and I can still hear his laugh in those moments.
1: Yes, I love that. And, you know, putting myself in your dad's position, like he's sitting there, he probably could have felt sorry for himself, sad, awkward, like ignored you basically. But he chose to push the look back, whatever look past whatever awkwardness he was feeling to focus on you and to choose joy. And like there's so much in there that is like we face those kinds of decisions every day as moms and I don't always do the right thing. Um, But what a cool dad.
0: (laughs) I did not expect to cry in this, but um, yeah, Um, it's like I I lost my dad in my early 20s. And so it's those moments, um, you know, like uh, I never really got to know him as an adult where you see This deeper aspect, he was just my dad. And so there's these moments when I reflect back on them and I'm like, oh my gosh, so true. Like how heartbreaking it would feel in that moment for him and so I'm just so grateful he he did those little things and another thing I appreciated about him so much that you talk about in your book is spontaneity and <laughs> looking back mm-hmm. maybe his way of being spontaneous wasn't the way my mom hoped he'd be taking me to the movies and then all of a sudden she'd get a call and be like we're going camping instead <laughs> ah. and he'd have like on the roof of his vehicle uh he always just had the camping gear ready to go mm. and now looking from my mom's perspective that was probably horrible for her. <laughs> it was yes. super fun for me and my dad. <laughs> so how do you be adventure ready or or include spontaneity in with traditions? Because on the surface level, they seem like two different things. You know, a tradition is something expected that you can do over and over again. And spontaneity is something that just arises out of the moment. So how do you combine those two things?
1: Yeah. And I think different personalities are better at different ones. Like, obviously, your dad was really good at being spontaneous. But um, I think it's like two sides of the same coin. Because I remember my, my mom was not a spontaneous person. But when she would do something totally off the wall and silly, we were like, really disarmed. And it really like, made us see her as like a human. And, you know, I think we just get in a rut with our families. And I'm, you know, I am not saying I have this all figured out. But I just always kind of ask God for help if I feel like this is just me personally. But, you know, if I feel like I'm in a rut and I'm like, okay, I want to show love to my kids, but I have to be honest, like I'm feeling totally drained. I'm really distracted, kind of feeling guilty, like show me what to do next. And sometimes it's a crazy off the wall idea. But yeah, like I think those kinds of things really make an impact on our kids as well as the everyday. So, you know, I don't want moms to feel overwhelmed like, oh, now I'm not doing that either. But I think more I was trying to say, you know, whatever you're good at, lean into that strength. And if you're not one that's always like, oh, it's the second Tuesday of the month. Remember, we always have, you know, pancake shaped like a two or whatever it is. Like, you know, (laughs) do what what you can do that they love. So,
0: yeah. And again, like these are just ideas and even just picking one or two of a hundred, it's so much better to have so many ideas so that we can gravitate towards the ones that are guiding or that feel more aligned with who we are and who our family is and the values that we want to cultivate and i I really loved the idea that you said of think of your default personality and do the opposite again just one idea of doing it reminds me of that seinfeld episode with george (laughs) (laughs) when all of a sudden everything starts going right for him because he just starts being his opposite self. I'm sure people in the audience have heard this, but it's a great episode. Have you done that before? And what were the results?
1: I mean, so are you familiar with the Enneagram? Yes. We've done episodes on it. Okay, so I was going to give an example and I never know if people are into that. But so I am a six with a seven wing, which I always say is like worried with a side of fun. So I feel like I totally have both sides to my personality. I'm not one or the other. Like I do very much like, you know, six, I think they call them like loyalists. So like I am about like it's Thanksgiving. We always have this stuffing dish. Like, don't you dare not make it like it's Thanksgiving. We need it. But then I also do have the seven wing of like, Hey, let's all go to the mountains for Thanksgiving. Wouldn't that be fun? You know? (laughs) So, I mean, I think what captures me in a nutshell parenting is like, we'll go on a hike and I'll send my mom the GPS coordinates. And I'm like, we're out in a really crazy place. I'm doing this adventurous thing. But if you don't hear from me, please send the park control and all of 911 (laughs) to this GPS.
0: <laughs> so that's funny right. I'm like the opposite I'm like I'm not gonna tell anyone I'm doing this super adventurous thing and then I'll just tell them all about it later as long as I make it out alive
1: oh, <laughs> I, I, I hope know. You're all
0: right <laughs> I uh, sort of am I mean I did that with skydiving I started to get my skydiving license without telling anybody and then like told my mom afterwards or <laughs> I don't know right. why it just feels fun that way yeah. but when we are you also talk about making memories. When we're making a memory, we are rewriting the story of our families and our lives. What do you mean by that? I guess I just think
1: of like, I didn't want anyone to read the book and think like the ship is gone and I, I've i lost my chance. Like my kids are whatever, 15, 16, and I can't do this. Or, you know, My husband and I are not together, and so I can't do this. Or now that so-and-so has cancer in our family, like we we can't do that. I think I just wanted everyone to understand that it's never too late, ever, never, never. I really thoroughly believe that um, we can always start over and rewrite the story and set a different trajectory for our family. And the story is my mom has a sign up in her room, I guess, I think probably one of my siblings gave it to her that says, I still think there's a lot of story yet to be written. And my mom's almost 70. And I love looking at that because I I think it just really says what I feel about parenting and your family is, you know, it's never too late to become a family who, you know, camps, has game night, makes pancakes on Saturday, like fill in the blank. I think our kids are less resistant than we are. Like we feel like, oh, they wouldn't do this or we can't because of blah, blah, blah. But I think most parents would be surprised if they tried to implement something. And so I just wanted to encourage parents that it's never too late and it can even now just completely change the dynamics of your family. Like that that happens, that's real. And, you know, again, it stems from, this is just me personally, but like I really believe that, you know, God allows us to start over and he gives us new chances every day. And, um, that's just a tremendous gift about being a human. So, you know, I just, that was kind of what I was getting at is I didn't want someone to be discouraged and think, well, this great book, but not for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I also really love the point you made when you were talking about if something feels overwhelming or if it feels worth the cost that, you're actually choosing a memory. You're not just choosing what to do for the next few hours. And I think that's a mindset that a lot of parents can get into. It's like, ah, how do I kill the time? It's like, how do you make
1: Mm -hmm. the time something memorable? I just thought that was such a good point. When they're gone, they're gone. And so somebody, I think it was Sally Clarkson, which is this author I read, I could never find the quote later, was talking about like packing your kid a suitcase of memories when they leave, like, we are going to literally go to Bed Bath & Beyond or whatever, Amazon, and, like, pack them all of the crap that they need. But we're also sending them with, like, a figurative box of their memories. And those are going to be things that carry them through. And, like, your, your dad with his silly thing, like, you have that forever. And you can always you know, relive that. And memories are so powerful. They're also so weird. Like that story, you know, like why in the world would you remember that, (laughs) you know? And so we don't always know what our kids are going to remember. And so it's just like throwing things on the wall and seeing what sticks, big things or little things.
0: Yeah. And it's like a combination of like novelty and then doing things over and over again. So I tend mm-hmm, to remember the exactly. things that like that we only did one time that were this special thing or the first time um, tradition was created. Or then sometimes I don't ever remember the first time. I just remember the, the subsequent times and I'm like, I don't remember why or when we started that. And so it's kind of a combination of those two. How do you balance that, the, the novelty versus the things that keep coming back?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that the regular ones are really important and we kind of jot out like You know, these are things that are important to our family, or these are goals we have for this year. And we have kind of like in my book, it kind of divides like, okay, you have your holiday traditions and you have your food traditions, and you have your how we celebrate birthdays in our family. And so I think like one of the things I was trying to do was just get people to think of all the different categories and maybe kind of have in their head of like, here's how we're going to handle this as a family. And then as a result, like also just being open to any random thing. And, um, you know, I think certain personalities are better maybe than others, but just being open to what comes along and what your kids might love and always asking them for ideas too. It's super interesting to ask them, like, what is your favorite thing that our family has done or what's like a huge memory that you have? And you might be surprised what they say and also be encouraged to either do again, you know, or kind of get a related, totally different idea. You know, because sometimes as parents, we don't always have a gauge of like what they loved. At least I don't.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And how do you brainstorm for new ideas, what gives you inspiration? Because I know there's a lot of moms out there that are just like, I'm just not creative. I can never live up to this like Instagram mom who comes up with all these fun ideas.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, there are so many resources out there. I mean, in the back of my book, there's some ideas, you know, under each category, like, oh, you want a service tradition, you want a birthday tradition, but a lot, there's so much on the internet. I mean, you know, just Googling and one fun way that I have thought of some um, and I think I have a, I want to say it's just a summer download, which is not relevant to us as we're talking, but there's all those funny days like National Donut Day and, you know, National Eat Outside Day or, you know, what, whatever, like, it's just like all those funny holidays. So I have researched them and I did like for the four months of the summer, three or four months of the summer kind of highlighted some of the favorites. And we will go through that one that's stuck in our family is the, is middle child day, which is August 12th. And so my middle child, like, That is more important than his birthday. He's like, we will not forget middle child day. And he gets to kind of choose what we do and what we have. And so, you know, I would just say look online, definitely in the back of memory making mom or just kind of Google like funny holidays. And that would give you something to start with.
0: You also highlighted the importance of thinking about beauty when we're creating traditions. And it's funny because my husband and I often share stories. And for some reason... I just wasn't really a child that appreciated beauty all that much. I don't know why I don't like that about (laughs) myself. Mm -hmm. My husband though is, he's always been that way. Like he'll stop and be like, but look at this view. Now I'm totally Mm -hmm. like that. And I think he's rubbed off on me. And it's interesting because I look, he, we've tried to, discuss like, well, what was it? Do you think that really spurred your appreciation of beauty? Because I think that appreciation is so important for a child or for anybody because you can go your whole life without focusing on the gratitude or focusing on the beauty right in front of you and, and creating a habit of looking at the things you don't like. And so how do you get your children to appreciate beauty or how does that idea of beauty come into your traditions?
1: I mean, like you said, it just is kind of like opening your eyes to things like, like your husband does. And so pointing it out to them. And I think like realizing that we all see beauty in different ways, but there was this saying about, you know, it more that more is caught than taught basically. And so I think the best thing you can do is to show a lot of love for the things that you love and that you think is beautiful. And that I think they'll catch on to, like I'm really a big weather person and like nerdy weather person. (laughs) Um, But so my kids, you know, we look at the sky and like if there's a storm, like watching the clouds and counting the lightning and, you know, just stuff like that, like that's what gets me excited. And so I bring it to them. Like I'm not, a horticulturalist, or whatever the word I can even say it. So, you know, that would be weird. That would be kind of a stretch for me. But I think we can just like, I heard somebody say, What's the word for where you're like an art purveyor? I think is the word where you like bring art to someone. And I heard someone describe that that that's sort of like parenting or motherhood is that you're just bringing pieces of art to your children. No, when I say pieces of art, I just mean like beauty in the world. Like you're bringing things to them to appreciate. Like look at this cat. Like, do you see, we have the most beautiful black cat that lives at our property. Look at his eyes. Do you see those slits and see how his fluffy tail is? And look how he walks. Isn't that funny? Like, it's like saying things that are, you know, feel like dumb and intuitive to you, but opening their eyes. So I think it's just a mindset of for us, like you can't pass on what you don't have. And so I think first step is like, just getting yourself in a good place and really loving life and, you know, pursuing your passions and opening your eyes to, you know, nature and beauty and all those things. And then just holding your kids' hands and bringing them along.
0: Yeah. My doula stopped by the other day. Um, I have an eight and a half month old, but I love my doula and she lives in my city. So she stopped by to just catch up and she brought her kids and she is so good at just being that like nature mom, like that's where she brings her kids like barefoot outside in nature and we live in the mountains and so it's an easy place to do it. But her kids were just like playing in the leaves in the yard and everything and then I have been making all of November parenting month and so I am very just, I'm watching how people parent and, and gathering ideas for what I want to bring into Mm -mm. My life with my baby. And one of the things that keeps coming up that I've noticed between like my moms that live in the city versus moms that live out here is the kids know how to play outside and it sounds crazy, but a lot of kids don't these days because of the technology Mm. and they don't have an outdoor space. And just the little things she was doing with her kids, like uh, I went inside to grab something and came out and they were organizing the leaves by color. (laughs) I was like, what a fun Mm. little, little thing to do. It's kind of a learning activity, but it's also getting them to appreciate nature and giving them something to do and getting their brains to come up with new ideas. So I thought that was was pretty it's so it's so simple and silly but it inspired me on just like the little ways that we can get our children to focus on the things that other kids might just or that they might naturally just sort of pass by.
1: Yeah and um, I talk about this in my second but let them be kids like it's almost just a matter of you know, kids just figure it out on their own. If you give them the space and the time and you put them in a good place, like they just come up with those things. It's really amazing. So sometimes it's just a matter of like putting them in a really pretty place and just letting them play. Um, You know, we don't have to overthink it and come up with this like really 10 step lesson, you know, (laughs) because they'll just figure it out.
0: You brought up that some women, Hate their homes, but that also <laughs> bringing it beauty into your homes is is kind of important for your family as well. What is it about? How do you think about bringing beauty into the home? And then what about those women who don't like their homes and don't have the money to have an interior designer and all of that? That's something that I think about a lot. Like I love a beautiful space. I I do have. I have cultivated different corners of my home to be beautiful, but there's other parts that are just still a work in progress, like the bedroom. And I'm like, it's just too much. And this isn't where my, the priority for my money to go right now. And so I'm curious about that balance and how you
1: bring that in on even
0: maybe a lower budget.
1: Mm -hmm. I think what I would say to somebody in the, in those shoes that you're describing is, Like first of all, declutter. Get rid of all of the junk and crap that is ugly and like the you know Marie condo that doesn't spark joy in you. If it's ugly, you need to put it away or get it away or give it away. Um, and so like that for me, we've lived in right now we just built a home and we're living in like on a farm and it's amazing and it's so life giving, but I've lived in small homes and I've lived in you know, decluttered ones. And so the first step for me was just getting rid of all the stuff that I didn't like because I would just stare at it all the time. And, you know, it was sucking the life out of me on a level that I didn't even realize. And then organizing your space, which, again, like some people are great at, but like, you know. Just getting it to be clean and decluttered, which I know, like, that's not a very sexy answer, but there's a lot of truth to that, to just, you know, clear the palette and have like a fresh, clean space. And I think there's a beauty in that, you know, like when we read the Little House on the Prairie series, they did not have, I mean, they didn't have anything, you know, they had very few things that were beautiful or like extra decor, but her house was beautiful to her because it was clean and everything had a place and it was full of love and it was warm. So, you know, it's a lie that we are being fed that it has to, you know, have all of the layered colors and textures and be like the current style and all that. Like it absolutely does not. And just investing some time to make it cleaned and organized I think brings in a ton of beauty that everyone that that's wears on kids too, you know, um, as well as moms.
0: Yeah. And I always did appreciate that. My mom had a very clean, very clean house and, uh, and she decorated well and all that, but she also gave me the space to Mm
1: -hmm.
0: create my own room the way I wanted it, which for me that looked like, like developing all the photos, from my normal camera roll that we used to have back in the day (laughs) and actually like making a whole wallpaper of them. It probably looked hideous to her, (laughs) but she, she let me do my own thing. And, uh, I mean, it probably would be way overwhelming for me now to walk into that room with the posters and the photos and everything, but it made me so happy at the time. And so you can have little, little themes or it doesn't have to be like what you see on Instagram. It could, it could be what's beautiful to you or to your family. And I and you talked about too, like we think about traditions as like holidays, I think a lot of the times, but we can bring traditions into so many other aspects of life. Like you talked about morning routines or the first snowfall, which I thought were really cool. What are some of your favorite uh, traditions in that aren't necessarily like Christmas or Easter?
1: Well, I have two. We always have, you know, my last name is Smart, so we have Smart Family Day every year. And it's different every year. We always choose something that we have never done to do together as a family. So, you know, kayaking, camping I know an RV, boating, we rented a boat, you know, rollerblading, like ice skating, whatever, you know, kind of thing like that, that you all try together, that you would all like, not just a couple of the kids. And then we do like special awards at the end of the night, you know, giving everybody something that we appreciated about them in the year. And then we have like our favorite foods. And that's just, it's just us. The whole day, it's like, we don't play with neighbors. We're not like getting together with cousins. We're just, it's our day to celebrate our family. And I think that's really important. You know, for all of us to take that time to say like you all matter, like we 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 love each other. We're a family unit. We're here for each other. You're not alone. That becomes more and more important as kids get older. You know, they need that. They need to have a tribe behind them because there's just a lot of crap that gets thrown at them when they get older. So that's one, and then we have a lot of food ones too we always do like a special family dinner in the week and I try to make something, you know, a lot of my meals are like the boring meals, weekday meals, but try to like, I'll put out the tablecloth and napkins and, you know, make like a really yummy dessert and something that my family really likes. And like, it's definitely work, but every week when I get done, I'm reminded of how Like loved my family members feel from that. It always feels super overwhelming to do it. And then afterwards, it's like, oh, I'm so glad I did that. And we also do pancakes and bacon every Saturday morning, which again, is sometimes not something I feel like doing, but just a precious time for our family.
0: Yeah, I like that. And I was really inspired by your morning routine share about how like you had were inspired by somebody else's morning routine. And then you ended up doing like I think you said essential oils and and mm-hmm. uh, candles or something like that, and tea. That sounds fun. I and the reason I was inspired by it is uh, like when I was pregnant, I just had a lot of ups and downs emotionally. I feel like I had like pregnancy depression. And one of the things that ended up helping me pull out of it was my routines. And I really made meditation a priority, but I wouldn't just come meditate. I made it a whole ritual. I would come and I would put, infuse essential oils or light a candle and make it dim. And I put an eye mask on and a little heater because it was winter. (laughs)
1: And 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 it just,
0: yeah, it just cultivated a whole space, like an energy around it. And so I'm, it's one of those things with my baby where I'm like, stay this little forever. And also I can't wait for you to grow up so I can try all these things I'm learning. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that. So now I want to talk about just some different ideas for the holidays coming up since, uh, right now we're in fall. This is going to be airing right before Christmas. So what are some of the traditions that, that might, most people may not have thought of or that you are your favorite for the holiday season or for winter or the new year
1: so one thing i totally copied this idea from a friend but we do candy caning um on saint nicholas day which is december 6th well it's not always on december 6th just full disclosure but um we buy a bunch of like you know actual candy canes. And you think of a family that might use some extra love. You know, we've done like somebody that lost their husband or was going through cancer or just different things. And so we go, you know, at night as a family, stick the candy canes all in the yard, which the kids get the most gigantic rush out of. And then we get like a little gift card or something, you know, for their family, leave it on the doorstep, ring the doorbell, sprint, get in the car. It is like such a fun experience. And so we're already talking about doing that this year. And I think it's really good for if you have older kids, because they kind of can get a a rush, like an an adrenaline, you know, adventure thing, which I think kids will look for If you don't give it to them in the home or show them like a healthy way to do it, they'll find it other ways. So doing that together is fun. That sounds
0: so fun because I remember that age, like teepeeing somebody's house, was exhilarating. And then, and then it just had to keep getting more intense. Like like we water it down.
1: Your version of that
0: (laughs) so much better because that's not very fun. You realize it's not fun when you're you end up having to. Uh, clean up the teepee
1: from your yard after a rainfall
0: or something terrible.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then we always do like a candlelit dinner the week before Easter. The kids really like that. You know, of course, like they like gifts. But this year I actually asked them, we've t- typically done four gifts, like something you, well, stockings and which is like a hundred gifts. <laughs> and then like something you want, something you need, something you wear, something you read. And this year I just find I was struggling with that format because just getting it even. And like, I felt like last year they didn't get as many things that they were like really, really wanting. Cause I had to like, you know, fill in those blanks. So I was like, guys, what if this year, you know, we just go to three gifts. And I said, we, we, In our family, we don't, like, exactly do Santa. I just have never really mentioned it, and so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, we just don't. So, but anyway, I was like, what if I give you 3 gifts and then, you know, the money that I would spend on the fourth, we can put it all together and I'll let you look through the Compassion International magazine like the gift catalog and you can buy something because I firmly believe that you shouldn't do something like that without your kids wanting to. Like I think you should get them to buy in and give, you know, if they're sacrificing, they should want to do it. So I really did not know how it was going to go, but they all three were like yeah, we want to do that. Give us three gifts. And then, and they're not angel children. Okay. Like, (laughs) I think it was just like a reminder that it is more blessed to give than receive. And so they got super excited about it. So this will be the first year we do that. But I kind of just was like, okay, you have this much money, put it together and come up, you know, do you want to like buy chickens or pay to get a well for a family or I mean, you know, part of a well it's not that much money yeah so yeah that's a cool idea we're going to try this year
0: so one of the things I remember doing around the holidays that we did for a few years that I thought was so fun was my mom would have us decorate our bedroom doors like a present so we'd get to go pick out whatever Christmas wrapping paper that we wanted whatever ribbon and so it got to be like whatever theme we wanted it to be and she'd buy that and then we'd get to decorate our door and I just thought that was so fun for some reason because it'd be a whole different color the next year another thing that we did was um she got us to make recreate the nativity scene with whatever we already had and so my brothers my brothers would use like little army men and I'd use like troll dolls or something (laughs) and that was fun too and I'd leave it like on display somewhere so those were some of the fun things and we'd always decorate our bedrooms with Christmas lights which I then ended up leaving up all year long because that's what kids do
1: (laughs) but I thought those were really fun. Oh that's I love that idea that's really great and see she was sacrificing her wrapping paper and also I'm sure it made a mess. So
0: <laughs> way to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and we there was um this little like kiosk that sold coffees and hot chocolates and stuff in our town. And that was another tradition we had is we'd go pick up the hot chocolate. We'd pick up hot chocolate and then drive around and look at Christmas lights. And I loved this, but what I'm inspired by you is like you had a few examples of like, oh, first snowfall and hot cocoa. And what I found, the reason that was inspiring to me is that I found that, The reason we only did the hot chocolate and driving around for Christmas lights a few times was that sometimes it would get away from us because we didn't have like a set day, like the first Mm -hmm. weekend of December or something like that. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. it's still something where I'm like, can we get hot chocolate and drive around and look at Christmas lights? And my husband's like, what? Where's this coming from?
1: (laughs) I'm like, this will be a tradition. So I'll throw another idea out there and this is not to overwhelm, but this might be encouraging to some people Um, because I tend to be like a scheduled person. I actually sit down with our family like after Thanksgiving, you know, the time between Thanksgiving and December 1st. And I write down just on a piece of paper, like December 1 through 25th. Then I make a master list of like all of the things we want to do. Even like not a huge deal like address the Christmas cards or wrap the presents, go shopping for siblings, look at Christmas lights, you know, ice skating, take cookies to dad, do a gingerbread house, you know, what? whatever. Some watch Christmas movies. We always have like four of those. And then we listen to there's like a Christmas concert by a musician that we all love. So I think I have a list on my blog, which I can give it to you if you have show notes and you can put it in there for a sample. So we, and then I plug them in, in the actual days and we never exactly follow it, but I feel like it's super helpful just to have a guide. So you're not like. I feel like doing something Christmassy. Okay, now I'm totally overwhelmed because I have to not only do the thing, but think of the thing, you know, just to kind of, and I already fill in like, if we have any Christmas parties, that can be like the activity for the day. Or, you know, we always have, like I said, our appetizers for Christmas Eve or our candlelight dinner. And so then just kind of filling in the blanks, that really helps me to have, and it also is exciting for the kids. I mean, one of them is like, make Christmas chains. Like that's construction Mm. paper and it takes like 18 minutes,
0: you know? (laughs) And so. it keeps them busy for a given amount of time, exactly. so totally for worth eighteen
1: it. minutes you have free time
0: <laughs> well, since this is in the holiday season i 'm not going to go through all the year 's ideas. they can get the book for that. they can google that, but i 'm curious about new year's or the january time do you because it's sort of like a an in between season, you know all the holidays are over. Uh, for us on New Year's, one of the things that we always did was we banged pots and pans together. I didn't realize that some families don't do that. I just thought that's what you did on New Year's. Aww, I didn't realize it was funny. any noise-making thing. I didn't realize that till I was like 15 <laughs> that other people Aww. didn't do it. That's,
1: so are what are
0: what are your New Year's or like January traditions if you have any?
1: So I'll give you three ideas. Well, one is well for our family, I live nearby my family brothers and sisters and so we always go to you know the spouses for actual christmas and so for new year's eve we get together at my parents and have our christmas and the kids all sleep there in my mom and dad's room, which I'm like, why do you let them do this? Is it not terrible? No one sleeps. It's miserable the next day. (laughs) But we do like our Christmas then and the kids stay up and watch movies and we do our Christmas gift exchange and have appetizers and it's super fun. And I have found when you have kids, a sleepover is a great idea because like, usually the babysitters have plans and you know, it's not a super fun to just be always with your family. So anyway, that's what we do. And then this is just a personal idea, but I always have a tradition of having like a personal retreat, which I know this isn't like a total parenting tip, but it's really helpful for me to be a good mom. And I always try to get away for a day and do roles and goals. So I'll put, you know, all of the different roles that I serve in my life like I'm a homeschool mom and I'm a wife and I am a friend and a sister and whatever, and then kind of think and pray about like, what do I want to do differently in each of the like health, physical, um, and set some goals. And for me, that time is something I look forward to like months before to know that like, I'm going to have this time to get away and recharge and, you know, just figure out where I'm headed for the next year. And I get a lot of my vision, even about parenting during that time. And then just on the fun side Boxing Day is, it's actually Canadian holiday, and I cannot remember what the original meaning of it was, but a lot of people use it as an idea to box up old stuff, but they had a huge auction as their family, so they would bring all of their stuff, auction them off for money, and then donate it to charity, and I have always wanted to try that, because I think it just sounds like a way to brighten dreary January
0: Oh my gosh. That sounds so fun. And I am totally adopting roles and goals. (laughs) That sounds awesome. I'm already excited. Well, thank you so much for uh, spurring creativity in all of us. And I have, uh, I'm really excited about it. I am just so excited to like build traditions with my little family. It's the first Mm -hmm. little family I've ever had. Uh, It's funny. It's the little things that excite me so much. Like uh, my parents were always divorced. And so I've never even had like, like in our family, I didn't have somebody to say like, oh, ask mom. Cause I'm an only child that I had two stepbrothers. Mm-hmm. It was like, I'll ask my mom, you ask your dad. And so I've always been like envious about that. And it's funny because my husband mm-hmm. just said to our little eight month old, like, um, I'll just, something about like, I'm handing you to mom. And I was like, oh, finally, we're just mom and dad. So it's Mm. it's the little thing. So thank you for inspiring me and all of the listeners out there. So for those that are resonating with you and want to learn more about the book on traditions and also your newer book, Let Them Be Kids, where's the best place for them to connect with you online?
1: So I'm on Instagram at jessica.smart. Smart has two T's. And then my website is smartereachday.com. Smarter has two T's. So, And the books are on Amazon. Memory um, Making Mom and Let Them Be Kids.
0: All the links for this episode will be at mindlove.com x64. So your challenge for this week is to brainstorm a few traditions. Obviously, what a fun challenge. I am stoked. I'm honestly going to get like a spreadsheet or a notepad and just lay out the whole year. I don't care. And like I said, bravery's not going to remember any of it, but it'll be a good trial run. So if things go wrong, he's not going to remember any of it. So some of my favorite holiday traditions that I am going to be passing down to my family, I suppose, definitely the egg toss. I don't care how vague I am, maybe that's why I introduced egg back into my diet which by the way, I call vegan, so that I can guilt-free have the egg toss. It's totally worth it. Still though, guys, if you're gonna do this at home, support Pasture Raised. I'm also gonna keep the hot chocolate and Christmas lights adventure. We're incorporating some of my husband's family traditions. We just started a haunted trail this year since his family lives in the middle of the woods. It was actually pretty perfect. There's also a hay ride that happens. We go to the cider mill around fall. I also love the idea of signifying the first something of a season, like maybe the first leaves falling or the first snow falling so that we actually celebrate the weather. I don't know if you caught the last episode on overcoming resistance to bad weather. (laughs) But that's needed. If we can add just a mindset of celebration to seasons or to things that we might normally resist, it could change our whole outlook on it. So let me know what you come up with because I want to compile as many family traditions as possible. Reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. For all of you premium members, I am so grateful for you. I love you the most. You allow me to authentically speak who I am and be me without the reliance of another company. And I'm just really, really grateful for you. I am actually going through a pretty big transition with the team that handles my sponsorships. So, starting in the new year, Mind Love Premium for a time, will be the only source of income for me right now as a new mom. So I am so, so grateful for you guys. If you do want to support Mind Love, please go to mindlove.com slash premium. It allows the show to go on during this weird time that has me a little uneasy, but I'm trusting the process, letting go what is no longer serving me. And I am just grateful for all of you that are here with me through it all. So if you want to support me at this time, go to mindlove.com slash premium. And that's all for today. Thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week.